Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. Um, things going well, Derek? Going good. I've got a bit of a cold. I'm fighting off my exhaustion from a uh, weekend of camping. Yeah, you guys went camping. Yep. Um, first time winter camping with the kids. Yeah, so that was like about a week and a half ago, and I'm just, it's <laughs> its so much work doing outdoor winter camping with, with children. So I'm still trying to recover, and... Uh, oh, we do it. We, I mean, our... My kids are a lot older than yours, and I remember doing all that with, with them, the summer camping, and it was enough work. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be doing winter camping with the little kids. No, and what the problem is, is there's, there's no downtime. You're, you're always hyper aware of, uh, of where the kids are. You don't, can't just sit there and veg out and read a book. It's like, what are the kids doing now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, they, you got to keep them busy yeah. all the time. And, you don't want them wandering off and falling through the lake or whatever, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, keep an eye on them all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, they are uh, quite going concerns. Yes. And uh, it was the winter in the wild. Yes, so we went to Mew Lake Campground, which is on the Highway 60 quarter in Algonquin Park. And this was the sixth year that they've done Winter in the Wild event at uh, at Algonquin Park. So it involves various locations throughout the Highway 60 corridor, the Visitor Center, Mew Lake Campground, a couple of other spots. So it was, uh, it's, it's a... It's becoming a big event, and uh, it's like I said, it's been six years going now, and uh, so you can, there's any number of things to do on uh, the Family Day weekend in in February in, in Algonquin Park. It was very popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I, I'm, I'm sitting down here getting work done, and, you know, my Facebook thing and all that keeps dinging, <laughs> and I'm looking at all these people that are up there, I'm like... Yeah. Is everybody there but me? I know. Everybody you know, was there. Was, like. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting kind of jealous there. Uh, one of the people I've come across lately, her she goes by the name Camper Christina. She actually built her own teepee. Yes. Um, so instead of, you know, buying one of the winter hot tents, she's actually built her own teepee. And, and apparently it's getting quite the... Uh, the, um, reviews, yes. Reviews on it, yeah. Well, her campsite, I didn't manage to meet up with her, but I, I was looking at her campsite when I went, walked by it. It was, uh, she had set up, her and the park had got together and they set up a uh, winter camping demo. So they had built an igloo, like, what have, you know, you've seen me build the igloo with the icebox. Yeah. Yep. So they had one of those. They built an igloo. They built a Quincy. It was basically a pile of snow you hollow out. And uh, she had her uh, her, I teepee. It's a homemade teepee, but yeah. I looked at it. It's it looks professional. She did a fantastic job yeah. on this teepee. Like I was blown away. I when I didn't know it was homemade, and you told me it was homemade. Because when I looked at it, I thought it was uh, I thought it was store bought store bought production yeah. issue. Well, it was funny because I was talking to her when she got back, and uh, you know she does a lot of solo stuff, and I was saying, hey. I know somebody that does solo stuff as well, works with my wife. Turns out they were there together. <laughs> she convinced her to come on up and go winter camping. So that's awesome. That was a small world, that's for sure. But uh, it sounds like everybody was having fun up there. Oh, it was I'm excellent. stuck down here. Yeah, it's, uh, so there's so much to do. Like there's a whole contingent of bird watcher people there the whole weekend. So you saw people with these massive uh, telephoto lenses. There's, I saw people out in the airfield in various areas in snowshoes or in skis. At the Mew Lake, they have a ice rink, so people were playing hockey all weekend on the ice rink. It's a decent ice rink, ice rink too, right? Yep. So there was uh, Camper Christina's little uh, winter camping demo in her at her campsite, and just across from her campsite, they had a uh, um, basically a marshmallow bonfire all weekend long. They uh, kept a fire going most days, and uh, it was free marshmallows around a nice big bonfire. It was uh, it was pretty cool. There was a lot of people up there. I saw quite a few RVs, but there was a I saw, I was surprised by, and, and I don't know too many winter campers except the group that I go with and we tend to hot camp, but there was a lot of people in just normal summer tents or yeah, three there's, season tents. There's, yeah, the, 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 the cold tenters. Yeah. Uh, I know I saw pictures of somebody with a pop-up trailer like mine. Yeah. I've seen, right? I saw two or three of those. Yep. There's yep. a bunch of longer, uh, RVs and stuff like that. I'm as curious well. how you would heat one of those in the winter. <laughs> well, they do have a furnace in them. <laughs> yes, mine's got a furnace, it, but it, the, it the weather be. was the temperature was good this weekend or that a week and a half ago. But uh, the, so what? What nighttime it was down to about minus five, minus eight, and the daytime Celsius. It was plus. Yes, in yeah. Celsius, and in the daytime it, you're talking uh, plus degree, like it was, uh, I think, almost up to ten degrees on the Saturday or Sunday. 
Yeah, so throwing warm. throwing the furnace on in the trailer, be, it's not going to be too bad. Yeah, but I'm thinking know. in colder weather would be tough. Well, this same period last year, because there's a the group of yes. guys that go, right? And I, yeah. I lucked out uh, in not being able to make it last year, and it went down to, what, minus 42? Minus 42. I met a, a, a couple a couple campers, and around we were all roasting marshmallows together, and they are telling us that they went to the same event last year, and uh, it was minus 42. <laughs> Froze their bahookies like, off. Whoa. I don't think my kids would have liked that. <laughs> no, that probably would have been, because you guys went up Friday. Yeah. So Friday night, Saturday morning, they would go, hey, dad, Time this has been home. great. You go around the car. We'll just leave everything here. <laughs> we'll come back well, and get it in the spring. <laughs> the boys that did their uh, winter hot tenting, it was, uh, well, at minus 42, they, you, I think you told me they never left the tent. Yeah, they were, they were in the cold. tent. It was just too cold. So, I mean, they, they ran outside to collect wood. They ran yeah. outside to, to have a tinkle. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty much all they did outside. What was it? In 2015, me and you uh, went in for a day trip to meet yeah. them when they did the family that day. That was weekend. a nice sunny day. It was sunny day. It was sort of plus degrees. It was starting to get colder on the when we left. Yeah. So that was a nice weekend. It was about similar to what this uh, week and a half ago was. Yeah. So. But, uh, okay. So kids first time. Has your wife been... Oh yeah, like me, that, yeah. me and my wife have gone cold tenting like it was uh, probably about eight or nine years ago. We uh, we went cold tenting on Centennial Ridges Trail. So we just pulled off the side, camped in the woods in a three season tent. It was minus 33. But uh, she's, she's a trooper. Like it was fun. It was interesting to, you know, to, we had this big walk down trench down you stood up and the snow was like neck high where our campfire was because we had to build it on the ground so we yeah. had to build a trench so it was minus 33 we had no heat method of heat other than the campfire that was like 15 20 feet away so were you guys married at that point i can't remember what year it was but i don't you would have had was. to be married because Stella's six so we got otherwise... married seven years ago so no we were just dating at that time really and yeah. she's still married jeff i know <laughs> But she's Glutton a trooper. For she like, she loves this like kind of stuff. She's just like me. We both love camping winter or summer. Well, so the kids loved it. They did. They did. They, and you, guys, you guys went up. We went up the Friday. Yeah, we went up Friday night, and uh, so you know it was set up. A, it's a big ten man army tent, so it took a bit to set up. My brother in law was there, so him and his daughter were there, and uh, we uh, set things up, got things going, and kind of relaxed in first day. We get, I don't think we got there till late afternoon. So we just barely had time to set things up before we started losing light. And then Saturday it was, it was like uh, a big egg and sausage breakfast and snowshoeing through the airfield. We spent a whole several hours snowshoeing while the kids were in sleds. So they got towed <laughs> everywhere we went, but you couldn't get a pair of snowshoes on a three-year-old anyway. So <laughs> I'd have to hire you then. You get snowshoe and pull me around in a sled. It was, it, I was towing two kids. It was, uh, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it's no, no different than hauling all your gear in. This is true, but it was. Your gear doesn't complain. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and at uh, the Mew Lake Airfield, that's really nice. It's a, yeah, area. it's a really nice area. You've got the, you could, uh, a lot of people were out there in snowshoes and any of the, like we went to quite a few, uh, hiking trails along the Highway 60 corridor as well as the Mulek Airfield hiking yep. trail. And it's beat down. You can just go on on a pair of boots there. You don't need snowshoes. Yeah. It's really beaten in. And like a lot of the hiking trails around the area were, were ice covered. So I had snowshoe boots the whole weekend with no treads. So it was kind of slippery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I noticed uh, getting on after January into February. You don't need anything. On the trails up no, there. No, absolutely it's, not. It's, and you high really got to watch out because You don't it see does a lot slippery. of people while you're there, but you can see that there's high traffic. Yeah. So there's enough people to beat the trails down, but not enough that you really see too many people. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice and spaced You're though. pretty much always out there by yourself. Uh, you do big campfire outside? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had, we had the outdoor campfire. Plus, you know, we had steak on Saturday night, so we needed an outdoor campfire to cook the steak on and stuff like that. And what did you cook on your inside? Inside, we, yeah. we had, uh, well, it was an army tent heated with a wood stove. So we, I have uh, I have this uh, muskrat wood stove from, I think it's Michigan, the guy he lives in. Anyways, it was a handmade wood stove that I bought from him. So we used that to cook on inside, boiled water. We, I put a pot of water. I finally figured out how to use the stove properly by Sunday night. <laughs> because I, I... You left Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept the stove going 
too fast. So you, I was basically sucking all the air through the tent up the stove. I was just like, it was like a big fan going, right? Right. And on Sunday night, I choked it right down. I closed off the, uh, the, the vent up top and I closed the uh, inlet vent and it just kind of smoldered for like all night. And I had to get up and open the tent because it was getting so hot inside. So, wow. so the, the ideal thing is uh, don't let the fire burn too heavily because it just ends up like blowing all the warm air out through the tent through like the a big pipe. fan. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess it's just, a, you just got to figure out, experiment yeah. with it, right? Yeah. So, but everybody was comfortable that night sleeping and it was a good setup. It held, oh yeah. It held you all no oh, problems. Oh yeah. We had, uh, I had cots to get everybody off the ground and I... Had a big uh, air mattress for the kids to sleep on because you had to make sure they, sometimes they don't know if they're cold or not. So you had to make sure that they were taken care of. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it, it's a 10-man tent, tons of room. There were six of us in there and, and it was lots of room for us to play, run around inside the tent. Plus everybody's sleeping on the edges and it, yeah. was, it was, it went really good. It was a lot of fun. Now they, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. Just kids probably wouldn't like it as much if it was. If it was colder. Mid-teens, you think they'd be their limit? I think so. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to guess here, but uh, I think so. Like, it's, it really comes down to wind for the kids, right? Oh, if, definitely. If it's cold and they're bundled up, they don't care. But if it's wind cutting into them, then they start to complain. Yeah, I mean, that's even saying, I remember when I used to cross-country ski out in Saskatchewan. I mean, it's, you get that wind coming across yeah, just the prairies. Exactly. And it, that Sucks starts biting into you. And, yeah. You're just not enjoying it. Exactly. You know, after a while, you can only take it so much. And then before you're just saying, you know, I'm done with this. Yeah. Well, Beckett's been asking about camping since last fall, since last time we went. And on Monday night, when we got home, Beckett said, we going camping tomorrow? So he wants to go again. Okay. So well, he's, good thing. He, he enjoyed it enough that he wants to go again. Estella always wants to go. She always loved it. Well, it's a, that's definitely a good thing. Oh, yeah. And get him yeah. into it early and uh, hopefully... Next year, you guys will be out again. And yeah, lifelong passion. Yeah. That's the ideal thing. Is it's it's all about fitness. Getting them doing something that gets them outdoors instead of playing video games. Yeah, I see. I mean, when I was little, we used to go like when I was in Cubs and Scouts and all that. We used to go winter camping, but it was always cold tenting. Yeah, there was no exactly There's no, no wood hot stove. tents, yeah. no wood stoves, yeah. and, and I'm beginning to think I got ripped off. What <laughs> what's <laughs> <laughs> with this stove? Well, with the stove, there's the concern that little three-year-old's going to stumble and fall into it, right? Yeah. So we had concerns because it's the first time we had the kids winter camping and first time we had them around a wood stove. Like they they have no idea what a wood stove is because central heating in a house and stuff like that. Like my parents have a wood stove, but the kids never seen that. Right. So it was, the concern was that, that you know, hey, don't touch that thing. It's hot. Yeah. But it worked out well. It uh, So they, they realized it was hot, don't touch it. And it was... It was a really pleasant weekend. Now, the big complaint over the summers with would you buy in Algonquin Park is the fact that it's always wet and doesn't burn well. <laughs> I I have a... So is it vice versa in the winter? <laughs> it's really dry and burns really well? I had... Most of the wood was dry. I When we bought the wood, I got to pick through the pile of bags of wood. But uh, on the last day, we went and got some more wood for the night and I had to put, I have this side tray that goes on my stove. Yeah. So I stacked the wood vertically on the stove to dry out because there was, it, they were covered in ice. The, the pieces of wood were covered in ice. So in the end, I managed to dry it out enough to use it and burn it. But, uh, but I, I guess it was 90 to 95% was dry. Yeah. And see, that's the, that's the, uh. The drawback with not being able to bring your own wood in anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, and I mean, I see why they do that. We get the Dutch elm disease. Dutch elm disease and, and the bugs. The and beetles the, there. Yeah, uh, the pine beetles. Pine, and uh, the emerald ash borer. Emerald ash borer. That sort of it. thing, right? Yeah. They don't want that being brought into the park. Exactly. So they yeah. don't leave. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a good reason. But, I mean, back in the day, you could keep your wood in the in the garage, load it in your truck, and then yeah, get out winter exactly. camping sort of thing, yeah. right? <laughs> you cut up some old furniture, you bring it up and burn it. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad to hear all went well. Glad uh, to hear everybody had a blast and everybody's looking forward to doing it again. Oh, yeah. I um, do need a new tent. You need a new one. <laughs> well, this this is a, a new... This is a new one to you. It's a new to me, but it doesn't let light in. See, and that's the one... Actually, I was, when I was talking to camper Christina, I said, how much better is it with the white 
canvas because every hot tent I've ever been in has always been the green military yep. style. And you've got to have either the flap open so you let some light in, yeah. or you've always got to have a, a headlamp on or something. Yeah. And she says, with a white canvas, just pff, just lights it it's up. It's lit up. Plus, at nights, if you have the lanterns in there and you go outside, it looks really cool from the outside, too. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and that's, that's the one thing I've always said if I get a, a hot tent is, it's got to be white canvas. Yeah, we, uh, everybody, even the kids, we slept until about nine o'clock Saturday morning. And you still thought it was the middle of the night. <laughs> it was business is pitch black in there. Yeah. The only light coming in is where the, uh, the stove pipe goes up through the roof. Yeah. So it was just pitch black. So we didn't even know what time it was. It's like, holy cow, we slept until nine o'clock. Now, does your stove pipe go straight up? It, uh, there's, the stove pipe is off to the, off to the side of near the door. Okay. So you had it situated by the side of the tent. Yep. Near the front. Yeah. It wasn't dead center in the middle. No. And I don't think I'd want a, a winter tent with a stove in the middle. I was looking at one of Kevin Callan's recent videos and he got a new tent and it's a new Canadian made tent, but it, uh, the stove pipe goes right through the dead center of his tent. Yeah. I would want it at the back, I think. Yeah. Off to an edge. Because but see, and that's the one thing about the, the, the TP version. Yeah. Is it's right in the middle. It has it to be straight up. Exactly. Right. It wastes a lot of stand up real estate like yeah like in the middle of the tent is where the most room is to stand and yeah. if that's where the stove is there goes your stand-up room right yeah yeah so it's better to be at the side yeah yeah close to the door close exactly. to the back right yeah so that's that's fine that's cool uh so yeah glad to hear everything went well and uh hope you guys yeah well, i guess you'll just have to keep your peepers open for uh, a new tent yeah <laughs> we'll see maybe there'll be one on a kickstarter maybe i'll yeah <laughs> maybe i'll uh maybe i'll uh make one like camper christina well, I was gonna say, I was, I was looking at some of the designs and stuff like that, and it's simple uh, enough to make. Yeah, just, yeah. Got to be able to stitch, stitch and seal and yeah. sew. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, maybe the she may be onto something. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there's definite ways you could minimize like pole lengths, uh, telescopic and stuff like that. Yep. Now she says hers is a bit heavy if you're wanting to take it in somewhere, but but you could with interior camping and stuff, you're allowed to cut down smaller trees and stuff. Yeah. So you could trim and cut your own tent poles. In yeah. The, in but the it, it would be, I think it'd be easier just to get some lightweight poles. Yes. And yep. uh, do that yep. telescopic sort of thing. And then, I mean, the canvas itself is what's going to be heavy. Yes. Right? Yes. If you want a heavy duty Depending canvas. Depending on the so. canvas that you get. But yeah, yeah, like painter's canvas is not that heavy. Mm-hmm. Those painter's tarps. Yeah. So I well, we have to check that out. It might uh -huh. be a summer project. <laughs> yeah. I myself would love to uh, find somebody, anybody that's listening, <laughs> birch bark, big birch bark trees. Oh, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to make a, I'd love to make a birch bark canoe. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, just try to get the birch bark. Yep. That's the big stickler. Exactly. And, and it's, it's hard to do it ethically. Yeah. Without killing trees and stuff like that. It's so... It's uh, it's one of those things. You need somebody who has property who is willing to lose a couple of birch trees and stuff like that. Yeah, I did post last week, one day last, maybe in last Wednesday, I posted on our Facebook page a link to the National Film Board of Canada, Caesar's yes. Bark Canoe. Caesar, yeah. and he, uh, he Northern Quebec uh, uh, native, yeah, builds a cedar strip canoe. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, this is, I think, in the 60s or something like 70s yeah. that this thing was filmed. That's but they show cool. him building this canoe from scratch, from collecting all the all the materials from the wilderness, from his, the forest by his home, to yeah. building it, to going out on the water at the end with his wife. Yeah. National pretty, Film Board. Pretty cool. Film. National Film yeah. Board of Canada. The stuff that's on there is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, so last week, we went to the Outdoor Adventure Show. Yes. In Toronto. Had a good time there. Um, John Turk talked about circumnavigating Ellesmere Island, which is pretty cool. Uh, David Lee, passionate paddler, was there talking about uh, canoeing outside your comfort zone. And Mike Ranta was there. He gave his little spiel on his cross-Canada trip. Well, more than a spiel. It's a very exciting spiel, but... to hear people talk with passion about how they're getting outdoors and doing these things. It really drives the passion in yourself when you hear them talk about it it's like man i want to do that yeah especially seeing some of that stuff if i was a billionaire man you'd never get me in the house <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah. whole problem is getting that money together to to keep it going yeah uh brad and wayne jennings father son talking about exploring the back country we saw that yes um 
Kevin Callum was there, of course. Of course. And funny, we're going to the Quiet Water Symposium this weekend coming, and Kevin Callum's going to be, be there again. He's going to think we're like groupies stalking him. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like everywhere. <laughs> we should just it's start finding those where he's two again. Be. Two guys again? <laughs> Lord, what are you guys doing? Stalking me? Uh, paid a visit to uh, Randy Mitson and the folks at Out, uh, Algonquin Outfitters and uh, talking to them. Black Feather Wilderness Adventures. Yep. We chatted with them a bit. And uh, I'm just going through my pages here of who we who we saw there. There was a lot of people. Madawaska. Madawaska Canoe Center. Yes, MKC. Yep. M- and all MKC. rafting. So they're... And chatted with them. And uh, met up with a lot of people that we know over the years. And we've met over the years that, you know, you go onto the boards and you say, hey, who's going to be there? Who's going? Because it was in Toronto. Yeah. You know, who's coming down to Toronto to see it and stuff like that. And, you know, hey, ring me up, text me, whatever. We'll exactly. be at this time, whatever. Met a lot of people this year again. And uh, it's, it's funny, since we started doing the show, you, you I mean, I noticed it last year. People, hey, you do the you do the show. And we had only been doing it. Yeah. You know, like a, a, about a month or so. And, um, yeah, again, this year is just seeing people that know you and they want to hook up and meet you in person. It's that interesting, sort of stuff. eh? Yeah, so I hadn't really a, thought about that aspect of it when we started doing this radio program, but uh, it, it's amazing how many more people are we're beginning to network with, and it's uh, just people want to talk to us, and of course we want to talk to other people. Like it, yeah. it almost feeds our own excitement about the outdoors. Is like now we have a, a, a method of creating a conversation with people that we wouldn't normally have have uh, talked to, right? Yeah, and I, again, it's you know everybody's got the the passion to do it and they yep. say yeah you know what you know i'm i'm going to to this one event mm-hmm. and then to meet somebody like us and this is what we're talking about constantly yeah you know oh, exactly we're talking paddling yeah. constantly now and it's like well, i want to talk to those guys and it's funny because you know you know, it's almost like you're a celebrity that people <laughs> want to meet and then we're looking at people that have been doing Pseudo this for years. <laughs> yeah people that have been doing this for years and uh, we're like, oh, I want to go meet Kevin Kellen, and I want to go. Yeah, you we're know, fanboys ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> and then the people are looking at us that have been listening to us for the last year, going, huh, they're going to be. I'm going to go meet them. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It just means people are listening to us, right? Yeah, and that's exciting. So yeah, saw a lot of things. Bought a couple of uh, little things. Some nice canoes on display. That's for sure. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, still looking at kayaks. I don't know. I think it'll be a few years till I buy my own kayak. Yeah, it's kind of hard to justify you know, it. It is, and uh, because for me, if I buy a kayak, it's like, well, I got to buy two kayaks because my wife's gonna want. So, anyways, it's it's easier with canoe right now. But uh, maybe if I can find some like-minded people to get out with kayaks, I might get myself one. Yeah, get one and uh, head I like on the out Oru for a bit. kayak. I mean, packable. Packable, foldable. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in your closet. Maybe yeah. your wife won't know it's there. Exactly. Well, I'm going on a trip with my <laughs> big <suitcase>. white luggage. <laughs> my big white luggage on wheels. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> it's a tent. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was pretty cool doing that again this year. And uh, um, But this coming weekend, it's funny because my son's been talking to him and his girlfriend and heading to New York uh, to see some big concert. But while they're there, they're... They're checking out all the sites and they're going to a couple of Broadway shows. Oh, they're nice. going to Central Park, Manhattan. Uh, my wife's trying to tell me you got to go to Cat's Deli and get cats a big uh, big sandwich. Yeah, big deli. Apparently, it's very famous. And they feed deli. You cats? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Never <laughs> been there myself. Could be. <laughs> no, K A T Z. It's the family name, I guess. Oh, okay. but that's it's a deli. It's a yeah. massive sandwich. It's world famous. Lineups to get in, apparently that yeah. sort of thing. But. Uh, so while he's heading east out of Canada, we're heading west. Yes. Into Michigan. We're going to head on down to the Quiet Water Symposium and check that out. I've never never been to it before. And uh, between that one and uh, Canoe Copia, I definitely want to. Uh, that's on my, my to-do list next year. <laughs> yeah, we'll get get over to that one. But I mean, that's an 11-hour drive from here. And, and that all hinges upon the fact that I'm going to get my passport. You better have Because passport. my passport is supposed to be available for pickup tomorrow and we're going to be going through and maybe picking up on the third on the friday so if they your passport due tomorrow on the second of march that's next thursday right oh no yeah you're right no that's tomorrow yeah yes yeah that's tomorrow yes 
so it's supposed to be done tomorrow. I pick it up. We pick it up on Friday on the way through. So we'll be on the road and we'll stop. And it's like, oh, sorry, this is in here. And it's like, oh, Sean, you got to bring me home. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the bus ticket. Take a ride back home. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's uh, everything works. It should all work out oh, fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, she'll we'll zip out. out to Windsor. She'll be and fine. Crash at Buddy Mikey's house. <laughs> yes, and then I'm excited about that. We'll get him to cross, uh, drive us across the border. Yeah, we'll talk like terrorists and <laughs> 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 do everything in our power to make sure Mikey gets a cavity search at the border. Yeah, no, um, it's not even not even healthy to joke about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not there. <laughs> But uh, no, you know what? There, it looks like there's a lot of uh, really interesting speed. And this is only one day. Yeah. I can't it, believe it's just one day. Really? It's just a Saturday. How did I not know it was one day? I thought it was more than one. No. Oh, just... I'm thinking of the other one. So there's Canucopia. Like, yeah. I was thinking of Canucopia. Big, yeah, no, the Quiet Water Symposium is just one day. It's in Lansing, Michigan. And I mean, it's only, what, an hour from Windsor, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, the other side. And uh, But Cliff Jacobson will be there talking about canoeing seekers. Hap Wilson. This is when I want to see mapping Canada's canoe route. That'll Definitely want to check that out. Yeah. Um, there's another fellow, Mac Truax. I think that's how his name is pronounced. Truax, paddling the longest canoe trail in the Northeast. That sounds pretty good. So it's going to be a toss-up. Do I go see Cliff or do I go see Max? Because they're at the same time. Yes. And that's the problem with this, right? Is you got so many people to talk. Two or three. It's all. Bumped yeah. in is like there at any one time there's like three or four people having different talks. Yeah, that, that you want to check out and, um, but you know what I like about this is we're going to see a whole bunch of um, uh, booths and stuff and that we don't usually see up here. Yeah, they're specific to Michigan and stuff. Yeah, right? so that'll be interesting. It'll be that'll be really interesting to see something that'll be new to us, something that'll be unusual to us. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and there, I mean, there is a lot of people that we know. Uh, that are given, like Kevin Callan's there, Joni and Gary McGuffin are there, Hap Wilson, Kevin Callan again. He's, <laughs> but yeah, and they got some of these guys uh, uh, doing a couple of different um, speeches, different yeah. rooms, different times sort yeah. of thing, right? So, but yeah, I mean, like I say, there's there's different um, groups and different places to paddle. They'll, the paddling groups will be there and uh, sport equipment companies will be there and stuff like that, that we just uh, generally don't see up. Yeah. Side, it'll be interesting. You know? So really looking forward to that and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I have to figure out how to get all that stuff that I buy back across the border. We'll blame it on Mikey. <laughs> it's Mike's stuff. <laughs> how much are we allowed to bring back? Yeah. Well, well, with the, the exchange rate too, that kind of puts a damper on yeah, things, doesn't that's it? That's true, eh? Yeah. That's like a 36 cents on the dollar or something yeah, like that. You that's lose. a nail biter right there. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to start looking at how much it costs and you put the conversion yeah. rate on versus what is up oh, here. And I know. Is it worth it sort of thing? That's, that's the problem with the dollar. It really puts it. thousand dollar canvas tent? Hmm. Oh, that's. Ooh, wait a minute. That's, that's $1,360. $1,500 at that point now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think I'll go to the yeah. Home Depot and build I'll one make it myself. myself. Yeah, that's that's the big thing is if you're if there's not big sales and it you really gotta weigh that, you know. But I mean sometimes there's things down there that you just don't see up here. You yeah, think, you just can't get you can't find or I gotta buy one of yeah. those and I'll yeah. suck back the uh, the exchange rate sort of thing. Sometimes it's worth it. It is. Sometimes it is. So looking forward to that and uh yeah, so far it's been a busy couple of weeks, hasn't it been? Oh, it has. It's only just started because this I, is the start of everything. I need a vacation. Oh, I know. <laughs> I think we should take a paddling vacation. Hey, do, I, do I get a vacation, any vacation time with this radio gig? Well, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> at 9.30 at the Quiet Water Symposium <laughs> in the Betsy River Room, Cynthia Donovan will be talking about paddling and other adventures on the Zambezi River in Zambia. There you go. Alrighty. We can do an on-location radio show. From Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the budget. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, there's a couple things we want to touch on that uh, we never got a chance to chat about last week in regards to rafting. And uh, want to finish up that from last week. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, 
grab a paddle, and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. So last week when we were talking about the rafting stuff, there's a couple of things that we never got through. I want to just touch base now. Uh, back in January of this year, there oh. was 2017. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. rafting team set their sights on making history by breaking a legendary speed record through 277 miles of the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. They had custom-built 50-foot raft uh, and powered with ultramarathon effort, The Time Travelers is a, a movie that's coming out. And it's the story of these uh, athletes attempting something extraordinary on one of the world's most breathtaking stages. Their attempt, just a blip in the scope of geological history, could be both their defining moment and the ride of their lives. <laughs> no doubt. So that's, that's the little uh, tagline here. The Time Travelers, the trailer is out right now. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, just Google The Time Travelers and rafting. Um, 277 mile length, the Colorado River's Grand Canyon section. Now, it's a lifetime goal for a lot of whitewater enthusiasts. If you're into whitewater. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely one of, one of the places you want to wanna hit. Now there's this this group of, of athletes, and like I say, some of them were from the US uh, USA rafting team. They wanted to complete this whole stretch in one go, nonstop, no sleeping, no stopping, no camping, no nothing. And that's nothing. incredible. That's an incredible feat. The distance stand up alone. and peeing out the side of the raft, yeah. in white water. <laughs> that itself is a feat. <laughs> so. <clears throat> this back in January of 2017, this year, uh, they started out in this custom-made raft, 48-foot raft. And that, to maneuver some of the, the rock falls and, and water and eddies and, like, you're talking, that's, you're trying your best just to keep that thing going straight down the river at that Yeah, that, that's, that's massive. Well, they, they started out at night from Lee's Ferry, Arizona. Uh, on the 13th. Which is the traditional start. It, which is a road. traditional. And on maps, it's marked as mile marker one or whatever. Yeah. And eight men paddling this raft. No stop. They say no stopping, no bathroom breaks, no sleeping. But after 20 hours, destruction. Yes. Uh, the Colorado Rav River has this one uh, lava, lava falls. Apparently it's a big thing. And one of their frame bars in their raft snapped and it punctured one of the inflatable beams. So they had to try to uh, repair it on the go and it just didn't work out right. And if anybody so, finds the video, they'll see that this raft, this long raft, it's, it's basically two very long canvas fabric, whatever pontoons with the, with the central portion where that they ride in in the middle and then everything is attached together by these, these long spars that span the widthwise, right? Yeah, I've actually posted this uh, a little while ago, the video on our, our Facebook page. Yes. So it, it is there. If you go into our video section on Facebook, you'll find it there. Big blue raft sticking straight up in the middle of these. Yes. <laughs> these and rapids. they designed it especially for this 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 uh, challenge, this time trial. Yeah. It was a custom cataract frame around two 48-foot tubes, six rowing positions, 12-foot-long rear-mounted oar that was used as a tiller for steering, Combination of aluminum and carbon composite tubing is what the frame was made from. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing that they used were super lightweight carbon fiber oars designed for skull racing on flat water. So they weren't sure how these oars were going to do in the, in the white water, but apparently they, they did quite well. Yeah, they had spares that they, they never needed to use. They took four extras, yeah, and they didn't need to use them at all. Now, because they were going nonstop meant they had to paddle at night. Yes. Now, we did the Brent Run um, last 
spring, and there was a midnight a night section, so everybody had their bright headlamps yes. on, right? Yeah. So you could see, which was fine. But <laughs> these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the lighting system they had. 20-inch KC highlights, LED light bars, and four 3-inch LED floodlights at the front for a total of 11,000 lumens of maximum <laughs> output. It's uh, amazing. They wired the lights with waterproof switches so that they could switch between low beams of 3,200 lumens and high beams of 7,600 lumens, or both, which is, yeah, at the, the same 11, time. 11,000. Yeah. They had a waterproof ammo can to hold the 100-pound, 284-amp-hour marine battery that powered the lights. And they had a 100-watt flexible solar panel that recharged the battery during the day. They did their research for planning this trip. Oh, they definitely did. Um, and they ate because everything was on the go. And you're going to need the energy. Yeah, there was this, no right? stops. It was just... From the from mile marker zero all the way down to mile marker two seventy seven point six whatever, it was nonstop. So what did they eat here? They had uh, honey stinger chews and bars, homemade date balls, bacon, <laughs> which okay, uh, PB and J sandwiches, peanut butter and jam sandwiches, fried chicken fingers, and self heating oatmeal's, which you know when they're getting cold that was perfect to heat yep. them up apparently right. And every variety of caffeine delivery, including <laughs> Volk Tabs, Yerba Mate, Cokes, Cold Brew Coffee, and Red Bull. Now, Red Bull for me never does anything. All Red Bull does for me is makes me need to pee. So, <laughs> I remember doing the one uh, 24 hour drive going up, uh, coming back from uh, Woodland Caribou. Oh, okay. 24 hour drive. I have a couple of Red Bulls. That'll do you. No. <laughs> Didn't do me anything. Maybe <laughs> I just needed to tinkle the entire entire time. Uh, so they were talking. They were talking to uh, Ian Anderson. He was one of the guys, and they were the, they were talking to him. And they said, you know, will you do it again? To which, of course, he says, well, it's too soon to an answer that. Yeah. You know, after this big thing and it didn't work. After the ordeal and it doesn't work, the disappointment, the, all the yeah. big challenges, it, you'd have to really, I'm sure they're going to try it again because you don't go to this much trouble and not try it again. Oh, definitely. I mean, when you're putting that kind of money and time and effort into it, yeah. you know you're going to give it another whirl. But they did say, if you do it again, what would you do different? And as we mentioned when we first started talking about this, might consider making the boat a bit smaller. It's tough to steer a 40 foot, 48 foot raft no moving with a lot of momentum through no big doubt. white water. And that, that would be uh, his one thing that he yeah. definitely change. Now, uh, the record for this 277 mile trip nonstop, the record was in 1983. Yes. 36 hours, 38 minutes. And that was uh, that was a wooden dory, like one of those fishing skiffs. It was like a, it was a seventeen or eighteen foot wooden dory. Yeah, and it called the Emerald Emerald, Emerald Mile. Mile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they did it thirty six hours thirty eight minutes, and they were not supposed to. I'm thinking because they didn't have a permit. They didn't. They weren't very clear on that. I I haven't read the book. Somebody wrote a book on it. And it's the book that really, a lot of people hadn't really thought about this record since the 80s. And, and uh, a book came out uh, in 2015 and early 2016, I think it was 2015. So the book came out, it piqued people's interest. And suddenly there's a rash of attempts to break the times. Yeah. So they held this record for 33 years. So January 2016 is when this, this actually took place the new record um yeah yeah the new the new record january t 2016 there was a group of kayakers that went down they broke the record of th of 36 hours and 38 minutes with a new record of 34 hours and no nope, sorry sorry 35 hours and five minutes yes yeah, and that was by kayak with the, with the kayakers and they were yeah. so great and when they got out of the water they found out that a previous uh, kayaker that had attempted with a buddy um, decided he was going to give it another whirl. Yep. And Ben Orkin, 
he decided he was going to, so was there, they're pulling out one end. They're finding out he's about to launch yeah. at the start. And he said, you know, good luck. Yeah. So they texted the guy and says, hey, we broke the luck. record. We just broke the record. Yeah. Good luck. And off he went anyway. And he actually ended up breaking the new record. Yes. This was like three days later. Yeah. He broke it 34 hours and two minutes. Yeah. So an hour and three minutes better. Yeah. And that was after wasting 40, he estimates 45 minutes. Uh, there's one section that he ended up upside down out of his canoe. Um, his zipper and his suit was, was undone. So he was filling with water and he almost, he could have cost him his life. Yeah. That's the problem with, with these sort of things, but. So all these things compiled, plus he's exhausted from yep. going for already 24 hours or so. So even after all that wasted time, that 45 estimated yeah. minutes, he still beat the record yeah. by an hour. And they figure, what is it? They figured that they have to be going about eight, eight miles, an, miles hour, an hour. Minimum. The, minimum, the entire route. Yeah. And you guys did your own calculations for time for uh, the Brent run and... I think you were, th we calculated it out to be like seven, seven kilometers seven, an hour. Seven kilometers an hour. Constant. We, yeah. Constant seven kilometers an yeah. hour if we wanted to beat the, or sorry, match the record. Match the record. Yeah. Match the record. Yeah. And uh, yeah, needless to say, we didn't do that. I think for the first, uh. For the first few hours. Yeah. We were right on it. Yeah. Right yeah. up. We were right up there way. and we were, we were going, going, going. And then, yeah, then all hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, these guys didn't do it this year. Um, they went to, to break it in the big raft and did not do it. But I got to think they're going to, they're going to give it another whirl. Yes. And there's more interest now. And once you, once these, something like this gets hyped up, you have more and more people that are going to be up for the challenge. Just like we saw records for the Adirondack, Adirondack Trail. So, uh, stuff like that, it's, uh, once you get the buzz going, once you get people interested, people go, oh, I'm going to get that time. It kind of, it's sort of a way for yourself to grow out into immortality because everybody, your name is in the record books and stuff like that. Plus people love personal challenges. Well, when you get something like this and it's, it's not everybody, and that's what they're saying is it's hard to do this particular one because getting a permit for the Grand Canyon is pretty tough. Yes. And that's the big limiting. I mean, you can you can plan two years to do this, and then come the the, the you know you want to do it in February of two thousand eighteen. Yeah. And they say, sorry, you can't have a permit. Yeah. Sorry, no permits. We're all booked up. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. And they like the, there's a there's a double bonus of when they do go because it's usually like January through March or something. Yeah. So it's a uh, it, the water tends to be higher because of runoff mm -hmm. and colder. popularity at the time is lower because of the colder temperatures. So people aren't, you don't have as many people wanting to do the runs. Well, and you're not going to be zipping down there in a big raft and come across six rafts of a tour. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then you're yeah. all of a sudden, uh oh, what do we do? Yeah. So it's off season. Yeah. But, uh, yes. So in March of 2017, this movie is supposed to be coming out, The Time Travelers. And it's all about this uh, attempt that happened in the January of 2017. Um, it's going to be a nice little film. We saw some of the previews, and like I say, the the uh, on the trailer there, some pretty cool um, cinematic uh, uh, work there. Yeah. So definitely something to to keep an eye out for in March. I mean, that's what next month, and uh, give it a whirl and you know, take a peek at it and and see exactly what these guys are up against. I mean, some of the water. That they've got to be paddling. Yeah. Is massive. Absolutely massive. Especially this time of year when, when the water is higher because of runoff and, and you get the higher flows. You don't have the low summer flows that people get to do the lazy runs and it's tour season. This is, there's some high water flows. And well, like the original record in 83 with the, with the Emerald Mile Dory, like they had record rainfall and record meltwaters and record flows. And they were constantly releasing from uh, dams upriver. So it, uh, they had, that's what helped them get that initial record on, in a dory. Yeah. And what gets me is at, when you're paddling this stuff through n the night. Yeah, and absolutely. And Ben Orkin was doing it solo in a kayak. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, he hit this Lava Falls at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, 11.30 at night. Yeah. No 
no way. <laughs> like, I that, know, hey. Like, you, you've got the... You need to have the uh, skills. You need to yeah. know the river. Yeah. Like you, you're not, you don't, you can't waste the time to get out and scout rapids. You have to know the river like the back of your hand. Yeah. So you have to know that certain rapids, you have to do river right, river left. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of learning curve ahead of time. You can't just on a lark go out and do this. This is, this is somebody who is uh, river guides who are doing this. Like this is their life. This is what they do, right? Now, if I'm not mistaken, the last 40 miles of it is flat water. Yes. Um, yes. So that's, <laughs> and that's what they said. There was like, what, nine hours of dejected paddling. Oh, when they Flat water pontoon. paddling after lava. Yeah. Yeah, after the lava, lava falls, so. So yeah, in March uh, 2017, keep your eyes out for the time travelers and uh, give it a look-see and, and watch what these guys went through. And yeah, unfortunately, it didn't turn out as they wanted it to uh, to turn out, but I got to think they're probably going to be back within oh, the absolutely. next year or two yes. and new craft yeah. and learn from their mistakes and yeah. uh, give it a, another good run for their money. Cause it sounds like they were on, on par to beat that, uh, yeah. beat that record. So it's a bunch of really fit guys and they're, they're just this, they're intense. They're intent on doing this, the, the U S rafting team. So it's like, they're, they're the kind of guys that would do this. They have the stamina and the energy. Those are the guys that are going to do it. Yep. It's not going to be me or you, buddy. No. <laughs> I'll do it in 80 hours. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so let's take a quick break here. When we come back, want to talk about 10 whitewater rafting locations around the world that if you want some fun whitewater rafting, these are the places to hit. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Now, before we run out of time this week, and we've only got a couple minutes left here, one of the things we found uh, that we didn't talk about was top 10 whitewater rafting locations around the world, not just you know, in North America, Canada, or the U.S. So I want to give a quick, quick uh, mention of these. If you're That's into whitewater rafting. Yeah. And, and these, there's tour, tour companies that'll take you to these places. Uh, but these are supposed to be 10 of the top places in the world to go. First one, the Alsec and Tatshenshini rivers in Alaska and Canada. You see glaciers, icebergs, uh, grizzly bears, moose, spawning salmon, that sort of stuff uh, right on the border of Alaska and Canada. The Magpie River in Canada. Uh, that's trip through the remote pine forests of eastern Quebec. Lots of rapids, class five, that sort of thing. Uh, pretty cool. Right down from the Magpie Falls. Middle Fork Salmon Ra River in Idaho. That's one I've heard of already because one of the world's most popular whitewater rivers. Rapids up to class four, alpine and forest scenery. And when you leave North America, you're going to the Rio Upano in Ecuador. Rainforests, um, everything from, from gentle rapids to massive tumultuous rides through narrow canyons. Uh, you, you get through the Namangosa Gorge Class 4 rapids and countless waterfalls. This one here, the Futalefu River in Chile. Glacier-fed lakes of, uh, from the high Andes of Patagonia. So you know that's going to be cold. Oh, yeah. Mountain scenery. Some stretches are suitable for beginners, but there's also class five rapids uh, for those that have the experience. Let's just leave the hemisphere and go to North Johnstone River in Australia. Tropical far north of Queensland, class four, five whitewater amidst volcanic gorges and ancient rainforests of Palmerston National Park. Oh, that's awesome. pretty cool. This one we've talked about before on a previous show, the Sankosi River in Nepal, uh, near the border of Tibet. 
class five rapids, narrow gorges, forested canyons. The Tro River in Turkey, one of the fast, world's fastest flowing rivers. And it's mountain, uh, through the mountains of northeastern Turkey. Lots of wildlife, bears, mountain goats, and wild boar. So that, that'd be pretty uh, pretty cool to see. Once you're going so fast, you're not going to really see them. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I guess there's castles along this route they might Yeah, there's too. a lot of historical things along yeah. the route as well. The Noce River in Italy. Uh, through the remote Val di Sol, or Sun Valley, uh, the Dolomites of northern Italy, some of the most exciting whitewater rafting in Europe, including spectacular series of Class 5 rapids as it ra goes through the gorges of Mostazillo. And the last one, which we talked earlier today, the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe, Zambia. The Batoka Gorge, where Zambezi boils and churns its way over 23 rapids in a 15-mile stretch below Victoria Falls, which everybody you know, that knows Africa, it's, they it's see Victoria well known, Falls. Yes. So if you're into whitewater rafting, that's the place to try. This is like a bucket list of whitewater rafting yeah. trips. Yeah. And it's it's less challenging because it's touristy, it's safe. You can hook up with a tour company and, and try these out. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's all today. That's um, all the time we have. Yeah. Wow. Today went fast. So <laughs> before we go, I'd just like to say, check us out on paddlingadventuresradio.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we have March 21st, the Real Paddling Film Festival yes, coming up. Yes, don't forget that. Go to our Facebook page or paddlingadventuresradio.com and uh, find out where you can get your tickets from. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.